Hello, Sobertown. Welcome to the Sobertown podcast. Let's jump on that sober train and ride right into the incredible, wonderful world of recovery. Real quick, I want to mention SobertownPodcast.com. We have an amazing website that will give you tons of resources to help you get sober and find a recovery system that fits you. We have amazing modules to help you fight cravings, build mindsets, and we have five Zooms a week where you can go meet like-minded people and have great discussions. Also, I want to mention a few recovery communities. The I Am Sober app, Boom Rethink the Drink, This Naked Mind. Those are all amazing sober communities where you get around like-minded people to help you get connected and fight your way out of your addiction. Also, I want to mention Silvertown Facebook group. We have an amazing little community of like-minded people coming together and getting sober. And it just doesn't matter which sober community you're involved in. Connection beats addiction. And getting involved in a sober community is a game changer. So let's get on to our next podcast. Boom. Hello, Sobertown. So today I have someone I consider part of my sober crew that I've known since the beginning. And let me see, you're May 25th, right, Megan? That's right. I'm June 2nd. You're seven days ahead of me in your sobriety. So we've got Megan, uh, a.k.a. Megstar here with us. And you've been on here before to tell your recovery story. It's episode 183, if I'm not mistaken. And then back then you were talking about writing a book, The Irish Exit. And you've done that. And we're here to talk about The Irish Exit. Let's welcome Megan, a.k.a. Megstar. Hello. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. Let's get into your preference first. It was almost like, I think, a year and a half ago, almost, when you did your story. And we're talking about this book. So in your preference, you've been working on writing this book a long time, right? A long time. Some of the content is really from the very early days of sobriety. I took a lot of it from things that I wrote to other people who are thinking about this journey or things I jotted down myself in, you know, a journal that I kept. But yeah, it spanned over the last really two and a half years. I know it's, it's crazy. It's the shortest book I think I've ever read. And (laughs) it's 39 pages, it's double spaced, and it's power packed. Your preference is like, I'm looking at it right now is like, maybe a page and a quarter. Why don't you explain to everybody what an Irish exit is? Right. So as Drifter so eloquently put it, this is a power-packed, tiny book that's very short, which is also what an Irish exit is. It's a short visit somewhere (laughs) that ultimately you leave quickly and without any uh, pomp and circumstance and just take yourself out of a situation. And that's pretty much what I did with this alcohol-filled life. I just kind of left it and went on to be alcohol free before things got really, really bad. And I wrote a book that's 
pretty much the same thing. It's a very quick sort of excerpt about the experience of leaving and what it's like. That's what's really cool about you, Megstar, is you got into your addiction into the, the alcohol. You saw you had a problem and you got out of it before your whole world crumbled. You want to tell us a little yeah. bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we were talking a little bit offline right beforehand about how I consider myself a gray area drinker, at least prior to being alcohol free. I wasn't someone who, you know, people thought outwardly needed to stop drinking. I wasn't getting into trouble. I was holding down a job and taking care of four kids. And I was, you know, the head of the PTO and doing all kinds of things like that. Everybody, I kind of looked together if you will. But inside, I was really doubting myself and and hating myself for overdoing it again and drinking too much. And, you know, the drinking started becoming more problematic and I was focusing a lot on it. And I was taking a lot of time and mental energy away from all the other things that I needed to be doing, you know, because I was preoccupied with drinking when I was going to drink again and what drinking was doing to me. So your life, like a lot of us, was your day was filled with planning how you would get your next drink. It, it was. And oftentimes I wouldn't drink for a whole week and I'd be, you know, looking forward to that weekend drink, but I'd be thinking about it and then I'd overdo it. And sometimes I could even go as long as a month. But again, I was like dry drunk. I wasn't enjoying it. I was waiting until the next time that I could drink. I wasn't finding ways to be alcohol free and, and happy about it and filling my days positively. So did you think about getting sober prior to May 25th? Oh yeah, so many times. And I thought about getting sober, whether or not I got sober, no. I think a lot of people do this where they start thinking they have a problem. They start sort of taking a litmus test of, wait a minute, is this a problem? You know, they start maybe Googling or reading or, you know, talking to people who have gotten sober, sort of thinking about it. Sober curious, if you would. I, they might do a dry January. They might try to wait until the weekend. They do a lot of moderating or a lot of, oof, I got really drunk last night. I'm, I'm not going to drink again. Well, at least I'm not going to drink until Saturday, you know? And yeah, thinking about their drinking, just like everything else, right? And of course, on one hand, I thought, geez, it'd be great to not drink, you know, how much better that would be for you. But that wasn't a possibility in the world that we lived in. It just, it seemed like everybody was drinking and that was how adulting happened. The way that you put this book together, I think is amazing. You don't have chapter one, two, three, four, five. You have the chapters made up and all these short little, like, here's an example. How did you get here? And our culture is soaked in alcohol. And each one of these is only like a page, two pages at the most. Uh, how did you come about deciding how to do the outline on this? So that's an accident. That <laughs> that all happened because I'm not really, I'm a complete Luddite and I'm terrible on the computer. And I used Amazon Kindle, Kindle Create, which is a, an app you can download to your computer if you are so inclined to write your own book and publish it on Amazon's platform. So I used Kindle Create. And when I input everything, it was very difficult for me to figure out the table of contents. And I said, you know what, let me just put it into Kindle. Let me export it from Kindle Create, put it into the Kindle and see what happens. 
And it happened so that somehow some bot somewhere read what I wrote and put it in a table of contents and allowed me to edit that way. So there wasn't numbers per se, but I thought, you know what, this works. And that's how it, that's how it all kind of came about. I'm very non, I'm not a perfectionist and it all worked that way. <laughs> and you're not an author and you're not a writer, right. but you got sober and you did this and you wanted to give back. Yeah, I wanted people to have another voice that maybe they would recognize as, you know, could be like them. The more out there, the better, so that people can find the voice that speaks to them and they can find community there and feel like, oh yeah, this is this person went through this too. I can do it too. But more than for other people, I want to say that it was a truly altruistic act, but it really was selfish, you know? Like I did this for me. I felt like there was something in me that wanted to say something and it just felt like the right next step. And, you know, I did it for other people, but I also did it just to, to solidify one more brick in my sober path and, and put it out there. Let's go over some of these titles. Why would everyone not do this? Right. Like, why would you not do this? It's funny, I listen to LeBron James with my son at night. We listen to the Calm app. He needs he needs some calming before he goes to sleep. And LeBron does this great series for calm. And one of the things he talks about is sleep. And similar to quitting alcohol, he says, you know, getting X amount of hours per sleep is so incredibly important. And his sleep game is so on because, you know, if people knew the value of all the things that eight hours of sleep can do, they'd get it drop shipped to their house, like, you know, by the carton, you know? And it's the same thing with alcohol cessation, what it does for your body. I mean, for your organs, for your, your brain, all the things that it can do for you. I mean, we're so concerned with, you know, did we put on our I don't know, our sunscreen or our seatbelt or all the various things we try to do to keep ourselves healthy and young and cared for. And alcohol cessation would be chock full of opportunity for us to roll back time and do all kinds of things for ourselves. And it's amazing that we don't all do it. The only reason we don't do it is, is the voices telling us to do it, the billions of dollar industry who have got us totally hooked on their product. Why else would we pour poison in our body? It's crazy. It makes no sense. And they don't even tell people acetaldehyde is a carcinogen. It's, it's poison. A, it's a class one carcinogen. It's poison. Every doctor on the planet that hasn't been somehow paid off or brainwashed agrees that it is obviously better not to put poison in your body. <laughs> why would all of us not do this? It's the matrix. And, you know, I think part of putting out the book too, yeah, selfish, yes, potentially altruistic, but also my girls are 15 and 16 years old. And I think a lot about what they're hearing and what they're seeing and how they're, how they're making their decisions about who they're going to be and what they're going to do. And, you know, I want them to hear voices that say you can totally live without alcohol. 
you know, you can have a rich, awesome experience, maybe even better than the life you could have as, you know, someone who drinks alcohol. And that drove a lot of this, you know, just knowing that they would read it, that they would know that I feel that way and that they would, you know, be able to add that one voice to the coffin. Since you've gotten sober and I'm able to, we're, we're friends on a social platform, you're involved with your daughters, with, with your family. Sobriety has really changed the relationships with, with your family network, hasn't it? Completely. It's come changed it in every way. It made me a more present mother, significantly changed my relationship with my oldest daughter, which I think was very impaired by seeing me drinking and not being able to trust me. And now our relationship, I can say with her still having two years in my home before she leaves for college or world, wherever she goes, it's amazing that I got those years, those precious, precious years to have with her and be present. And it's incredible that I got to do it that early. I wish it had been earlier, but I'm just happy that it happened. Because she dances and sings and there's, she has a lot of events and being sober with a clear mind has made you present at these events. She can trust that you're going to show up to these events. It's powerful. Yeah. That's my other daughter. That's my second Oh, that's daughter. your other daughter. But that, that daughter, absolutely. And you know, in, in the past, so most recently I went to a, a dance competition with her and a lot of the moms there were drinking wine midday. And I thought, you know what? Old me would have had at least a couple drinks by now. May or may not have made it in time for my daughter to get on stage. Cause it's, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. And sometimes you're like, oh, you know even when you're not drinking you're, oh geez, she's on, you know whether or not I would have missed some of those for sure. And whether or not I would have been fully present for any of them. I'm, I'm sure not. And how much time I would have spent thinking about maybe drinking during those, you know, sessions, whether or not I could sit in that seat and think about my daughter up there on the stage and what she was doing versus when she finishes, I'm going to get to go have a drink or we're going to go out to dinner and I'm going to get to have a drink. It, that, that was such a cycle. And that, affected all of that and whether or not it affected her as much as it even just affected me and how I was feeling about that moment and being with her and really being connected to her and this experience is, you know, I, I'm just so grateful that that old me isn't there now. Then here's another title. You can change. Mm-hmm. Tell mm-hmm. us about this one. Well, that's a big one. Like I think about all the time. I, I fortunately live in a community that I think people are, a lot of people are starting to think about their drinking. Maybe it's our age, you know, I'm 48 now and approaching 49. And I think, you know, a lot of people are thinking at, at middle age, what am I doing? You know, where am I going? What am I doing? And some of some of that comes out sideways with alcohol where they go, well, why am I drinking so much? And a lot of them just simply don't think that they could ever not drink. Like the idea just is paralyzing. You know, they think, 
oh, I could do a weekend or maybe I could do dry January or maybe I could, I don't know, moderate. You know, a lot of them go through the moderation process, but they really don't think that they can do it or that they even want to. You know, a lot of them think life without alcohol would be so painful and stressful and difficult and no fun, you know? I mean, I think that's really hard. You're, you are losing something. I mean, I feel like I, I feel like you almost mourn that old life. Like there is definitely a, a loss there, you know, and you and I both know it's a good loss, but it's a loss. And, you know, they, they think they're going to lose something and they, they just really can't wrap their minds around moving forward. And, you know, I don't think we know how to have fun in the beginning without it. No, we don't. We need to learn it. I mean, it's almost like a, I, I think that that first year, especially is almost very well equated to a newborn, you know, like those first months when newborns intimately related or acquainted with that experience, having had four little ones in such quick succession, I feel like you see that, that first three months is really being, you know, almost like in a womb, right? Like they're still just fledgling. They can't do anything really external. They're just kind of subsisting. And that's how, that's what it's like in those first few months of getting sober. Even when you're not like, even when you're a gray area drinker who can pretty much, you know, turn it on and turn it off the way you, the way you want to most often you can moderate You're you're not going to AA, you're not checking yourself into a, a rehab facility. You're still going to need that first few months to just kind of insulate right from the experiences you used to have and, and build this new life. And even after that, at like six months, you start, okay, that's when you start kind of getting out, right? Maybe you're moving a little bit. If you bring that metaphor forward, you start crawling a little bit. Maybe you're going out. Maybe you're seeing friends again. Maybe at 18 months, you write a book. You have that language explosion. You start being able to, you know, do what kids do at 18 months. They start to talk. They start to express themselves. Maybe you start to do that. I feel like all of this is so intimately related. And that metaphor just carries forward. When you give up alcohol, you get reborn. And that's sort of that that path that you take. And yeah, it's hard, right? It's just like building a human. And you have to learn these things, new things that you like and some things that you don't like anymore too. Right. And that part of you that was you before, you're a changed human, but you do carry that forward. You carry some of you forward, right? And I hope you leave out the bad parts <laughs> and you take the good oh, right. and the good memories and that, you know, the, the lessons learned and all that stuff and carry it forward. So here's another title relationships change when you give up drinking. And I know this is like watching you. This is a biggie. Yeah, this is huge. I mean, this is the part that I think you still struggle with and maybe it just keeps changing right? Like as time goes on, they change for the better. You know, like I'm not saying they change. It, it sounds ominous, like relationships change, you know, 
maybe they change for the better. I know that for my husband and I, it changed for the better. He was pushing me to quit drinking. You know, like there were moments when we would wake up on a Sunday and he would look at me and go, babe, you got to quit drinking. What are you doing? Right. Or, you know, I would just get that side eye, like, how you feeling? You know, like he really was holding it together and I knew he wanted me to quit drinking, but he was also petrified of what does it look like if she really quits drinking? What does my life become? Like, how, how do we do this? Like, this is a radical change. So even when you want something to change, when it changes, it, it, it's hard, you know, and you have to rebuild and you have to relearn and decide how you're going to move forward. And I know with my husband, I took walks with him. We started walking the dog that we finally got, you know, no longer would we go out at night. We'd try to get together at lunch and have lunch together. And we're blessed because we work together so we can do that where some couples can't and that's more challenging, but we had to find our new groove. And that's hard. And that's still happening. You know, is it better than ever? Do we trust each other more than ever and appreciate each other deeper for the experience we went through? Hells yeah. Like, but it's, you know, it's changed. And the relationships with friends, that changes too. And for each person you lose and you lose them with kindness and love and great memories of what maybe you had in the past, but they're not serving you anymore. Maybe you're not serving them. You gain somebody else, somebody like you drifter or somebody else from, you know, your new life and your new connections that you make that will enrich your life and maybe be on the same path as you. And then also your kids. Oh God. Yeah. That's the best for me, because that is why, you know, in the dedication, you know, that's why I live they are my and the thought that I am giving them a good example that I'm not ashamed of and that I want them to see that's everything to me. And sometimes I'm like omnipresent, like too present. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, moms with clarity kind of are, right? Yeah, moms with clarity and a whole lot of seltzer and a lot of those like bed bath and beyond like, you know, stress relief potions. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Ditching the booze promotes positive change, makes room for more in your life. Boom. And I see this with you too. Yeah. Yeah. So that has been really fantastic. Even just pure time, just hours that you used to spend drinking. My routine towards the end was really like around five, six o'clock to settle into the couch and watch some shows and drink at least, you know, three, four, three, four glasses of wine. Sometimes it got as many as five or even six. And that was hours, you know, like, and I, I did the math, like a quarter of my life I was spending like in sometimes, you know, periods of blackout or not remembering and those were memories and a quarter of my life that I wasn't getting. And now even just cutting that out complete, just that one thing, I get a quarter of my life back, which is huge. Those are the hours when you're tucking your children into bed. And if you're a mom, if you're a mom and you're young children and you're tucking them into bed every night, having had a few glasses of wine, you're not experiencing it the way you want to. It's going like that. And then it's gone 
and then you won't have it back. So to have those hours to be present are, is, is so invaluable. That quarter of your life, there's so many annoying things that you start thinking, huh, what am I gonna do with this time? Now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna do a podcast. Now I might write a book. Now I might take up piano lessons again. Maybe I'll, yeah, all of these things are things I have done. Deciding, what do I do with all this time now? So. Right, you are recreating yourself with all of this time that you have. I am, and I think you're just so much richer for it. You know, you the the things that come out are things you never thought you would do, perhaps, and you find yourself doing them because you have the time and the energy. I love this next one, fill your toolbox. I love that one. Yeah, so we talk about that a lot in the alcohol-free community, I think. You know, I think about this for anybody, food. You know, you think about when people go on a diet. One of the things that your trainer tells you is make sure that you have your healthy bars in your car or you have your, you know, your sticks of celery or whatever. It's the same thing when you quit drinking. You know, you, you can't just expect to just go out there while, while westing it. You know, you need to think about how you're going to do this. You know, what are you going to do when you're in a situation where you go to a party? What are you going to say to people? What are you going to drink if you're going to drink at all? Are you going to leave early? Do you have your car? You know, all of these things are part of filling your toolbox. In addition to, in addition to that, the planning process, it's filling your mind with that like positive alcohol-free message, which comes in podcasts and reading books and doing Zooms on, you know, spending that time filling your mind with other voices that are alcohol-free can help you to keep that path and that goal in mind. And also, you know, give you some ideas for how you're going to live this life. You know, get prepared. How are you going to do this? Be a Boy Scout. You know, figure out how you're going to do this because you're going to be successful. So, you know, make sure that everything is in place for you. And then the other one in here, to be an example, and I know this goes back to your kids a lot about being an example. Yes, certainly for my kids, but also for friends and for community. I definitely see some of the people who were big drinker friends who I never thought would not drink. But unfortunately, I think they're getting, you know, health messages now about quitting and they're deciding to to quit. And I'm like, wow, when they reach out and it's so great to be able to help. And you're one person in their community who actually did it, who they know, whose life they know, and they could think maybe there's a possibility that they could do it too, you know? And you're having these experiences where these friends of yours are coming to you. Hey, Megstar, how'd you do this? Yeah. And they don't always do it right away. And I try not to feel, I try not to get invested emotionally because I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be responsible for their sobriety. And I don't, I know that nobody does this until they're ready and until they can really do it. But I like being able to just be a resource for them. Here's the really cool thing with you, Megstar, is you're showing these friends of yours 
how to do the Irish exit, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm showing them that it's doable and not only doable, it's actually preferable that I'm enjoying it, that it, it really doesn't have to be a no fun life that is so difficult to live through and you can't go to parties anymore and you can't, um, you know, you, you won't want to go away on girls weekends or do whatever it's yeah. You can live your life and, and be alcohol free. And you're doing a lot of the same functions that you used to do too. I really am. I'm doing most of the same functions. Some things that I know revolve around alcohol. I don't do just because I just know that that won't be fun, but, but things that, you know, like a, a regular cocktail party or whatever, yeah, I go to. In fact, there was recently a, a wine tasting at, at the school for a for school function. And I thought about going. Are you talking like, like a high school? Yeah, it's actually a high school fundraiser. It wasn't at the high school, but it was for oh. the high school to raise funds. And I thought about going to it. And I would have gone to it if I could have gone that night. I couldn't go. But I don't mind doing things like that anymore. It, it's okay. You know, it's for the school. And I would just go and drink some seltzer. So. What would you tell somebody that is thinking about getting out of alcohol and getting out and doing the Irish exit? What would you say to them? God, it seems like such an easy answer, but also a hard one. You know, you can't go wrong. Like you just, you can't go wrong. If you decide to give it a go, please try to fill your toolbox before you make that step so that you have some, some plan in place and some crutches to help you. But any day sober is going to be a good test for you. And if for any reason you quote unquote fail, don't be afraid of that. You know, just think of it as a learning experience. And then if you truly want to be alcohol free, go and try it again. And when you try it again, Try to do something different. Try to figure out what didn't work last time and try to do it differently next time. I think that's the problem. People keep going back and keep batting their head against this. Like, why is this not working for me? And they're not changing the way they approach it. You do have to change something, right? So Megstar, you didn't do any traditional recovery system. You have built your own recovery system specifically catered to yourself, right? I did. And so I was just trying to think as I was speaking, like, what did I do different that time, right? I think I, I really did commit mentally to say never again, where like some people can say and can only say one day at a time, right? And that in their mind is like, listen, if you had me say never, I would just blow this up. This could never work. But for me, saying never was a very freeing thing where I didn't ever have to think about it again. It was just done. That's how I could handle it. It was like, ah, this door is shut and I will now put all of my energy somewhere else. So I didn't have to even have that mental vacillation of, will this, will I do this? Will I not do this? Is it going to, am I going to do it that weekend? No, it's done. It's never happening. I and just that, don't drink. Right? I just don't drink. I'm a non-drinker. And, and that just made it easier for me 
And I think that might make it easier for some people. If you could just say, I am a non-drinker and just say that enough. And maybe it was the hypnosis. Every night I was getting hypnotized, listening to a, a recording saying, you're a non-drinker. You enjoy a crisp, cool seltzer. You don't want that alcohol. And I was hearing that over and over. And I thought, I'm a non-drinker. I don't drink. Hands down. No question. So you hypnotize yourself as a non-drinker. I went to a hypnotist. I wouldn't say I hypnotized myself, but I went to a hypnotist who made me a recording. And it was based on my personal experience with personal information, like the names of my children, the reasons why I wouldn't want to drink, the reasons why I would want to be sober that were based on an interview that he did with me. And he has a 20 minute recording that he gave me that I listened to at night. You can certainly get one online, but they're not necessarily personalized for you. And they do have studies that show the personalized ones that use your name specifically. And some of the other things that I talked about are actually more, more successful, slightly more successful. That recording I listen to almost every night. And actually, I kind of like it even just to sleep. It helps me sleep better. So it's sort of something I do as I'm falling asleep. And sometimes I only get through the first 10 minutes and then take it off. But, you know, when I, I do feel like it helps get into that subconscious that Drifter, you talk about a lot, which is that huge monster that, that we're trying to rewire that you are able to somewhat harness with this hypnosis where you're planting in there ideas that you want it to have, right? And you're taking away ideas that you built over time, which are, you know, I enjoy drinking. Drinking helps me relax. Drinking helps me to feel loose and free, right? He, he'll use those words and say, drinking does not help you relax. <laughs> and he'll, he'll rewire your brain. And I listen to it every night. I, I really do feel like maybe that helped me with that whole, I am a non-drinker. You know, it was so much mind power in the beginning for me. And that's what helped me. That is so friggin' powerful, you know? And then when you go to one of these social functions, you could probably almost get a visual visualization in your mind. I'm a non-drinker. Right? Because you built these new beliefs. I don't think about it that much when I'm actually there, to be honest with you. I've written about this a little bit in some of our some of our IAS where it's the lead up to going to things, at least initially. Now I don't really care, but it, well, even now sometimes, you know, the lead up to a party or something, I'll be thinking, oh, are people gonna be drinking? What's it gonna be, you know? But then once I get there, I don't really think about it too much at all. Like I generally get so involved in the, in the conversations that, or the activities or whatever's happening that I'll look up and think, oh, that thing that I thought was going to be so arduous, right? Those like hours that I was going to spend worrying about this or that are gone. And it's already like, you know, 10, 10 30, I'm ready to go home. And I've had such a great night and I really didn't think about it. And that's so powerful that you didn't spend your time in cognitive dissonance with this war between your conscious and your subconscious, not wanting a drink where you didn't even have to focus on it. Right. I didn't have to focus on it. And I'm going to take that one step further. What I used to do when I would go to those events was worry about alcohol. So I would spend my entire time 
thinking, should I go to the bar again? Or have I gone to the bar too much? Is, should I have another drink or am I going to be driving and that's not really safe? Or, you know, do I look like I'm drinking too much? And there was a whole lot of mental chatter in my mind during those social events that was occupied by alcohol. And I, I don't have any of that anymore. And there's freedom and space to actually meet people, care about them, listen to them, enjoy the activity. Sometimes I wouldn't even remember the band, like the great band or the, the speech somebody gave at their 50th birthday party or you know the dance someone did, or I wouldn't remember those things because of the alcohol that I had consumed that night. So just being present now is, is different than it used to be. That is so powerful. That is, I mean, talk about freedom, right? That yeah. is just pure freedom. I love it. So tell everyone where you can get your book. Well, you can get my book on Amazon. You can get it on Kindle. If you type in the search bar, Irish Exit Meg Star. That's S-T-A-R. And yes, that is my pseudonym. I am not quite ready for my son's fifth grade teacher to be reading this book but i will be one day and then i'll then i'll have to rename it but right now it's irish exit meg star s-t-a-r and you can also get it in paperback also on amazon and i'll tell everyone this book it's a really short read 39 pages double spaced and you have just packed it with so many gems i mean there's so many more topics that we didn't even really discuss yet and i for me, I'm probably going to start reading it for my third time because it's it's really so good. It's really, I love it. I actually, one of my girlfriends read it and she said, I felt like you were, I felt like I could hear you the whole time. And that made me so happy because she was like, it was like having a conversation with you. It really is. It was purely from the heart and I hope it helps even one person and I know it helped me. So, well, I really hope that it, it helps the people out there that they can get it out of this early. They don't have to go to where so many of us went. Jails, prisons, DUIs, lost marriages. I mean, just the destruction goes on, on, and on. And they don't have to live that destruction. And Irish Exit is a great book to help you get off that train, that train that's headed for a wreck. That's it. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much, Megstar, for coming on here, talking about your book. It is always a pleasure, Drifter. Thank you. Thank you thank, for having me. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for joining us.